everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Katherine Druckmann. Doc Searles and I are talking to Gordon Jones and Erica Barnett today. They are co-founders of Thrivacy, which is a new platform for verifiable credentials. And we're going to get more into that and they can tell us all about what they're, they're working on and, and why this is a cool project you should check out. But in the meantime, I wanted to remind everyone to check out our website at reality2cast.com. That is the number two in the URL. And we will have links to Thrivacy and other supplementary information that you might find helpful. You can also sign up for our newsletter there. So with that, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, we're pretty excited. We love to talk about identity solutions here. Doc has a, a much to say about that, I think. And I think we have a lot of really, really good questions. But um, so yeah. yeah, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you, so you for having us. us. Yeah. So Doc, why don't yeah, we well, get I, here? I, Let's talk so, about how we got here. Um, yeah, I, as you know, many people know, but not enough probably still, we, um, Joyce and I are, are both involved with the Internet Identity Workshop, and I think SSI for Self-Sovereign Identity is the first thing after 35 or at the, toward the end of 35 of these things to sort of come at us as a like really hot topic. And you seem to be in one of the hotter corners of that topic, so why don't you give me I mean, I've been talking about it for years, but give me your angle on it, on, on where it works for you and where, and where you're trying to push to the front of this thing. Sure. Uh, so first of all, I uh, teach blockchain and data privacy, and I sneak SSI in there at the University of South Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually where Erica and I met, because uh, I'm also the entrepreneur in residence for the College of Information and Communications there. So in all of my courses, I also teach entrepreneurship. Uh, so one of the first things I do is I have the students come up with a problem that they have. And then throughout the course, as they learn about the technology and, and whatever the subject of the course, then they apply that to their problem and then decide either they can use it to solve their problem or not use it to solve the problem. And, and Erica, you want to Talk to them a little bit about what your problem was that kind of led to all this. Absolutely. Um, so when I was learning about blockchain, my first thought was around student identity and really protecting students in a different way um, that would be more encrypted and more secure for them. So they're not, you know, having to deal with problems later down the road. This also has to do with older students going out and enjoying their social life and the problem around the uh, presenting your driver's license as to validate your age, because obviously you're giving away way too much information when you give somebody your ID, especially with incredible platforms like social media nowadays. So I really wanted to help create a solution that would help stop that because at the end of the day, all they need to know is that you're above 21. So that was really important to me. So as she was doing her research, I actually had a problem that was mustering in the back of my mind because I hadn't gone through a background check for employment since 1997 uh, because I worked for myself. <laughs> but to become an adjunct uh, at the University of South Carolina, they had to take me through that rigmarole. And just because of my diverse background, it took a little bit longer than normal, according to them, 
to do my work history, my criminal background and all that, all my, all my academic credentials. And I've, I've got four degrees and all this crazy stuff. So, so it took them a, a lot longer than we all expected. As a matter of fact, they didn't even let me into my own class until a week <laughs> after it started. <laughs> yeah. So I was like back here saying, well, why are we doing this third party background check business that's a hundred years old already? Um, and what we ended up doing was uh, as, as Erica was researching, uh, you know, the identity space and I wasn't really deep into it at myself at that time. Of course I knew about authentication and KYC and, and, um, and any money laundering and all that, uh, stuff because I've been in blockchain and crypto for so long. Uh, but I didn't really think about the identity portion of all this. And uh, we ended up meshing the two ideas together to come up with the idea for Thrivacy. So basically, it is a digital wallet for identity. Uh, and incorporated in that, we want a person to be able to hold not it's not just for payment and identity. It's primarily to hold verifiable credentials um, and, and, and primarily around career. So work history, education um um you know anything that has anything to do with quote unquote a career employment um so that's kind of our I, that was our initial idea and really over the past over the 2021 we really were just doing a lot of research to figure out exactly what we wanted to do and of course we we found out about uh decentralized identity and and uh, self-sovereign identity, and we really grabbed onto that. And so that's that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, we've got the shirt now. It says, "Oh, very nice." Privacy, yeah. self-sovereign your identity. <laughs> oh, that's really good. So, so um, an angle on the attraction for me of of SSI is that you don't carry around. You know, I have my wallet around here somewhere, but you know, people think of their ID as a thing that's issued by that has a lot of credentials on it. Like my driver's license says I'm licensed to drive in the state of California. It says how old I am, it gives my hair color. Um, uh, it gives uh, uh, my eye color, uh, both of which have changed <laughs> over, over the years. Never mind that. But, um, but generally what, what the other party, what the relying party um, needs to know is, do you have tickets to the game? Did you go to the school? Did you know? It's generally you want what you want to be able to have is what Kim Cameron of Microsoft called minimum disclosure for constrained use to justifiable parties, rather than exposing a lot more about yourself. And it's a completely different way to do to do identity in the sense that the other party only gets only gets to learn what they need in order to provide whatever service they're providing. And usually, it's not much of a service. It's just like do you need to get in the door? Are you over 18? Right. Right. Do you, uh, where did you have your shots? Um, are you, you know, th there's, you know, did you go to this school? And it's a very different way of thinking about identity because it doesn't start with, with uh, a relatively small number of very important information providers, but a very large number of, of important at the moment facts about yourself, but not everything which would expose you a lot more. That's probably yeah, and, a terrible and, way of putting it, but there you go. Yeah. And, and actually that was one of our original use cases was 
So Erica can go down to the, we call it the entertainment district around the university <laughs> and be able to get into the restaurant or bar and be able to order a drink without them even knowing her actual birthday, right? They don't need to know her name. They don't need to know her home address. All they need to know is this is her phone, which we do visually. And then that she's over 21 and that's it. Or yeah. she's under 21. If she's under 21, then they don't serve her. If she's over 21, then they serve her, right? Um, and and that's really what, what her whole project was for that semester. Yes. Um, so yeah, it is very interesting. Uh, we, 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 when we talk about it, of course we say zero knowledge proof. So mm -hmm. bartender has no reason to know anything else except that she's actually over 21 and that's it. Very much need to know. I'm curious, how, how does, how, what's the adoption like? Like, how does that work? How do you ensure that the business you're going to will accept, um, your, your verification? Well, so that's been, and I've been down this road before. So I, I created a um, live streaming app called Guardian Watch for 911 incidents back in 2011. And the problem we had then was, okay, well, you have to be, in order to live stream from a 911 incident, you're an observer. You just happen to see this 911 incident and it's streamed to a first responder who's on the way there. We had to do what we call create density in a local market. And so Eric and I came up with the idea of what we call our marketing model is local to grow global. So what we'll do is we focus on communities and educating them vertically instead of picking a horizontal industry to focus mm -hmm. on. And, and so in Columbia, South Carolina, you know, we were meeting with the mayor, the police chief, the sheriff, the officers on the ground, uh, the restaurants. And then the university, as a matter of fact, we just completed two pilots with the university to, so that they can actually share the college degrees from the college that we work in, that I work in, with the graduates. So we did it in uh, December and we just did it in May. And then from there, they can use that credential in their Thrivacy wallet to also go down and use it at the restaurants. Mm -hmm. So, so from a marketing standpoint, yes, we need to fo hyper focus on a local community, and 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 build what I call density in there, where people, even if we haven't directly marketed to them, they start knowing what Thrivacy is. Uh, we've also created an incentive model, uh, where one percent of all of our revenue goes back to the person who introduced Thrivacy to whoever the next customer is, whether it's a person or a business. And so as long as they're a member of Thrivus, the Thrivacy community, they'll actually earn incentives back based on the revenues generated from those entities, whether they're a person or a business uh, through the uh, ecosystem. Um, so that's another way we, we help get the word out there is incentivizing our community to referral, if you want to call it that, or social social network or whatever you want to call that yeah, it's interesting joyce and i are uh we're in bloomington indiana you know and for a similar reason we've got a similar project that we're working on here it's not a commercial project but um uh but it does have markets in it and you have and i think that I, there are so many ideas and ssi is certainly one of them um where 
the what one tends to think is it can only work at worldwide scale. In other words, that you know, yeah, you have to get everybody to use it before anybody uses it. And um, obviously, there's lots of things that succeeded that way. Um, but it always starts locally somehow. I mean, the World Wide Web started with a bunch of high energy physicists in one place in Switzerland, you know, <laughs> right, that's right. Um, and I don't think they even thought that that was going to be a worldwide thing when they, even though we called it the World Wide Web, right, it, right. It, it wasn't, it was, it was more like the not even campus wide something, you know, so. Um, yeah, and, so, Tim, and Tim did, and, and the re, and because Tim did it, Tim Berners-Lee did it that way, he also didn't make a boatload of money off of it either. Did no, and, and he, you know, he, he didn't have any of that in mind. I mean, yeah, right, right. So often it's just kind of scratching your own itch. So, right. so what, tell us about the business and how, okay, you're, you're trying it locally there. Um, on the one hand, people do want to know, hey, you've got a business there. It makes money somehow. That's good. We want you in the community doing that. On the other hand, there is a, hey, you're trying to start something new here. Why are you make, make, making money with it? So there, there's those two tensions, as it were. Well, how. and we're we're going to be venture backed, um, mm -hmm. so so we have to be able to show that we can generate significant revenue and value, so the investors will get their money back. Um, so we definitely have to do that, and we have a plan for that. Um, um, but uh, you know, and for the sophisticated, and I and I, I don't mean I don't mean people who or academic or anything. I just mean people who kind of understand what's happening in this world of what is now called web three or metaverse or whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, I do talk about how once we get this into the market and it starts being adopted for initially in the employment space or some other use cases, it's going to be adopted for other use cases. Cause at the end of the day, a credentials process for issuing, holding, and verifying is exactly the same. It doesn't really matter what the credential is, right? So ultimately, uh, if we if we structure the wallet part of this correctly, we should be able to hold other digital assets. And that's the long-term vision of what we're doing that would be able to scale significantly. And we call that the indiverse. So you got the metaverse, which means a bunch of different things. You have the indiverse, which is an individual's universe to where I'm holding all my digital stuff in one place. I, I, I like that. Is it, I, do, you, do you see it as INDI-verse or INDY-verse? INDI-verse. I, 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 and uh, yeah. uh, because also because the URLs were able to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. All right. <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, and we don't we don't tell a whole bunch of people about that because um, because if they're if they're looking at it for education and career, they don't understand this thing over here. They'll get scared off. So but um, but when I do start talking about that, I talk about your idea of the in intention economy. So I, I do talk, especially in my data privacy. Right. So in my data yeah. privacy class where the big tech guys are are taking our data, our, our personal identity information. As a matter of fact, Meta, which is Facebook, is getting sued for scraping personal health information off of hospital websites. That was just 
pushed out this week. It's amazing how they can do that. Yeah, they, they I mean, it. and it's just a little thing in the web browser that's scraping the data while you're going into your medical records. And, and all these great hospitals, uh, 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 Johns Hopkins, many others, you know, they just signed off. They signed off on something that just looked like a third party service. Right. Oh, it's harmless. It just gets, you know, yeah. it'll help. It'll help socially instead of realizing that. Well, so, so what I tell people is, um, so the attention economy is today and it's, it's grabbing your data to figure out how to market and manipulate you. Right. And to your point in your book about the intention economy is I'm not telling people who I am, but I'm displaying the credentials that you need to make an offer or answer a proposal to me on what I need. Right. So right. if it's like a mortgage, then what I'm going to do is through SSI, I can present the credentials, my financial credentials, the price of the house, you know, the general information around the value of the house and all that. And then a mortgage provider can make an offer to me for a mortgage. And then if 20 of them do it and I choose one, then that one might get some data to go into their database, but the other 19 no longer have my information. Um, and, and so I, I layer into what we're doing into your idea of the intention economy to where we're building a framework to enable people to actually do, um, do that uh, in the future. So Yeah. I, I, the, an interesting thing is, uh, and an unfortunate thing is that I do. Want, I want to make clear to people we're talking about the distance difference between attention with an A and intention with an right. I, because they sound there's such homonyms in a way, and it's disturbing. But anyway, but I think what's cool about what you're trying to do is it starts with the intention of the individual, right? Yes, with their own indiverse. I like that. You know that I I have a, I have a personal universe of data about myself over which I have complete control and I will selectively disclose on an as needed basis to others according to my intentions not according to theirs you know which may be may far exceed mine and what they're actually looking for right absolutely I, you have the I right have a, to take it back mm, yeah, I like that. right I and then you revoke it and and you yeah. put expirations on there on the, all that great stuff Go ahead, Kathy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a question about about your end users. Um, I wonder if you have a sense of who is attracted to your wallet for ease of use reasons. You know, the, carrying around these various credentials versus, um, you know, what's the Venn diagram where people are more concerned about data privacy? And does that does it change depending on different demographic groups? Like, for example, we're we're a pretty uh, we we represent a lot of different age groups here on this call, I think, mm -hmm. and yeah. two of us are women. And and you know, I, I I see a rise that a lot of that women should maybe take a little more care with data privacy for a lot of reasons, um, which we could get into. But I just wonder if you get a sense of of who who your users are and and what their various um, attractions are to to your your wallet app, and we why why are they coming to you? So, well, we're still early, sure, <laughs> so sure. we're attracting. Who's, who's, who's more excited? That's a, probably a better, a better way. Who, so who gets more excited when you pitch them? Um, 
Um, so one of the groups that is interested in leveraging what we're doing and, and we're working on this um, is uh, the South Carolina Soccer League. So the South Carolina Youth Soccer holds a lot of P, uh, personal information on youth, right? Mm -hmm. And their parents control the giving of that data to the soccer federation um, through their coaches. So in other words, there are birth certificates in various forms, either sitting on a coach's desk or scanned into a computer mm -hmm. and a PDF that is unsecure. Uh, and if you know the statistics today, hackers are going after youth identity because they can use it longer yeah. before somebody finds out because a youth doesn't really ping their um, ping their uh, credit yeah. bureau until they're exactly. going for you know an 18 year old and they're going for a credit card. So one of the ideas is to enable the parent to use the privacy wallet to create verifiable credentials based on the their child's birth certificate that's needed by the coaches to register them for the soccer league and 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 so that particular use case then enables a parent to become a thrivacy customer and then we tell them other ways that they can ultimately use thrivacy in their life because at the end of the day like like doc was saying um, I have my wallet. I know what to do with my wallet. So once we explain to people what to do with their, what a digital wallet is and what they can do with it, then they'll come up with ways to better use it. Um, and then on top of that, we give them incentives for figuring out new ways of using it. Yeah, so from a demographic standpoint, though, um, you know, you're right. There's a lot of people that have been using all these free services, G, you know, Gmail and everything and, and not, not caring about their data. Uh, but I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm being asked to speak on Fox Nation during the Freedom Fest in Las Vegas next week. Freedom Fest is a libertarian um, conference. So they're all about, yeah. they're, they love the terminology self-sovereign identity. <laughs> that's interesting. But yeah, that's I know. Interesting and, 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 it, and it freaks out others because right. there are some really fringe groups that, that have sort of taken over, not taken over, but they've used the term. And there are a lot of people in the SSI world who I, I actually, we were in, in a, in a uh, interviewed recently where um, we were told to not use the word sovereign. <laughs> right because really? it yeah uh, it's interesting I, it well, was, as yeah, a and, and as I, a matter of fact um I, uh, one of the provinces in canada was trying to figure out how they were going to frame uh the terminology in order to adopt decentralized identity and they they use the word dominion instead of sovereign yeah so individual dominion wow. over your identity well that's interesting so what's interesting yeah. to me is I think, you know, data uh, privacy issues, data privacy issues are seem to be one of the few issues that are uh, that appeal. Uh, it's one of the few issues that appeals to people across the political spectrum. We've talked to people and many, many, you know, uh, Evan Greer comes to mind who works with fight, works for fight for the future. And I remember in that episode, 
talking about, you know, just the bipartisan support and, and the ability to work across the aisle very much on a lot of these issues, because it is actually one of the things that seems to be important to really everyone. Well, well, and that goes all, all the way back. So when I teach my course about data privacy, one of the things I talk about is HIPAA. And uh, so my, uh, one of my mm. relatives was Nancy Kassebaum. So she's a Senator from Kansas, a Republican. Right. And she partnered with Ted Kennedy, who's the quintessential Democrat. Um, and they came up with the Kennedy Kassebaum Act of 1996, which turned into HIPAA. Yeah. And it was all about health data privacy for health information. Right. And uh, right. so, yeah, I mean, this, this thing definitely goes across all boundaries. Most of the legislation that's presented um, for consumer protection is the way they usually frame it. Um, it, you know, is usually from, uh, you know, the Democrats or their more liberal side of, of things. Um, uh, but I mean, it's an absolute need. I, I think it's one of the areas that, that really completely <clears throat> transcends or transcends, uh, um, you know, political boundaries. I mean, it's, it, it's one of the topics over which the two sides don't have to hate each other. Right. I think, Absolutely. you know, I mean, it's just like I, we're we're trying to do a right thing here. And I think pretty much everybody sees what you know, what what the problem is. Um, you know, I think we, where we we get into trouble and I was on another cast this morning that kind of went into this is where where the right and the left decide that they both want to kill big tech. You know, so and then and and privacy and along with it, you know, like we want all the ISPs to censor everything that social media is doing. Um, but we're, right, right. we're kind right. of at they the opposite. You can't have it both ways. No, you, no, you can't. So, so what I'm wondering is how I, I've thought of it is that the wallet is the is a great metaphor for what you're doing, but you don't use it the same way. And everybody today, Chris, nobody can see this because we're not an invisible podcast. We don't do video here. We, <laughs> right. we can see each other, but I'm holding up my phone, right? Yeah. And these are like an extension of ourselves now. Is is Thrivacy going to be um, a front page app on your phone, or is it going to be something your phone does without having an app that that is visible? For example, I just go, all I have to do is wave this thing. I've got near field or I've got Bluetooth or some other thing that, uh, or just a QR code, you know, that's the kind of the hot thing with the, I've done a lot of flying lately and they all want to look at your QR code. Um, so, so now you're gonna... talking about operating systems. Yeah. And in yeah. 2011, I was working very hard. As a matter of fact, I partnered with Entrado, which for that, that's that 911 app I built. So we yeah. parted with Entrada that switches all 85% of all 911 phone calls in the country and Canada. Mm. They go through Entrada. So I had partnered with them. So they're deep, deep, deep into next gen 911. And mm. we couldn't even get a conversation with Apple or, or Android to talk about how to embed this in the operating system. Cause that's what you're talking about. Um, but so will be an app and, uh, but if you, and you know, you understand this. So, you know, this all this talk about a super wallet. I mean, ultimately there's going to be Apple pay or Apple wallet or whatever that's going to be as a super wallet. Google's going to have a super wallet. So all the big tech guys are going to have a super wallet, but then we're going to have a super wallet that's decentralized. 
um, and gives you total control over your information as opposed to them tracking everything that you're doing with your wallet. Uh, so that's that's uh, so I do see it being an, an app or whatever evolution of of things on phones uh, from a utility standpoint. I don't I mean, if Apple adopts SSI, which they haven't, they're an ISO shop now and in, in their adoption of um, uh, digital identity through this, their their current version that they're partnered with, what, 13 states now on. As a matter of fact, they don't. They require all the transactions to go back to the DMVs to for instant verification, and uh, so they wouldn't. They, you know, they wouldn't. They're not going to adopt a decentralized identity platform to go inside their operating system. I don't see it. Um, as a matter of fact, I presented to the South Carolina DMV in December. And to educate them on this, because they didn't know anything about decentralized identity or self-sovereign identity. I went in there with decentralized identity. I didn't go in there with self-sovereign identity. Um, yeah, I know. You kind of have to pick your words. Yeah. yeah. But they they were, they. I mean, we spent, how long did we spend with America? Uh, hour and a half, something like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, and the other part of it that from the standpoint of which uh, self-sovereign identity is also, hey, if an officer comes up to your car window and needs your driver's license, your in proof of insurance and your registration, guess what? These can be in verifiable credential form where they just scan a QR code through the window. So you don't even have to roll down your window. And because yeah. of the role that the officer plays, they can get this package of driver's license and insurance and registration. That's interesting. In, in it's one sort of non-invasive. You could actually put your QR code right next to your VIN number on your dashboard. Or that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the main reason why I was making that a huge point is you're not handing your phone to the officer and the officer now does not have access to all the other information on your phone. Yeah. Which is, yeah. that's the search and seizure part of the constitution that we want to make sure that, okay, we're yeah. going down this path of digital wallets on phones. And if we have to hand the phone to an officer, that kind of gives them permission to do whatever they want to with that phone now. Um, so that was the main point that we were making in our presentation to the South Carolina DMV is, hey, if they're going to use an Apple wallet and they're using these ISO standards, yeah, it's secure from a hacker, but it's not necessarily protective from a policy standpoint. Um, so that's a big component of everything that a state needs to consider when they're adopting these digital IDs. Um, I have a question for Erica specifically, actually. Sure. I wonder if you've done any outreach or marketing or focus groups or anything specifically with groups of women. No, I have not had the opportunity quite yet. Um, not um, especially focused on women exactly. Um, we've had women in our, you know, pilots before, but it hasn't truly been focused to women. Um, I'm not the only woman on the team. We, um, right. there's another one of us. Excellent. Um, so, but I, no. I'm curious just because I, I would be curious to, to, to know what kind of reception you would get 
from for the reason I ask, I actually I gave yeah. a presentation um, in in May to a, a women in technology conference about data privacy, and the oh, reception wow. I got was fantastic. And you know, I just I wondered if you had had any similar experiences. I, I suspect you might. I, I suspect it might be a. Um, a yeah, this is a. Really, yeah, really this is an avenue after. I need to check check out. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah. I, it, so, yeah. so I will I'd be curious say, to know what happens. I will oh, say that um, um, the youth sports channel is primarily yep. mothers moms are very concerned about these things. um yeah absolutely and and so whenever we've spoken to that group that wants to take that to market um it, it's always a mother that they're talking about it's yeah, not protective over their kids information more yeah. than more than well, their they're own, the probably. ones who register them and do all that stuff you know the mm-hmm. dads are pretty lame about that stuff so. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> and some in in most cases <laughs> Yeah, I do. I, I'm I'm noticing women in particular, um, absolutely, and becoming actually more of, and more aware. Absolutely, funny enough, um, for the university pilot, we worked with all women there too to help get that accomplished and pushed out. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was just curious to accidentally. I would be curious purpose. to know more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Doc has any further thoughts on that? No, no. I, I actually one of the things I was thinking is that. It's it's not just a coincidence to me that um, as a tech topic, identity is unusually strong with women. Um, an awful lot of women are involved in in the development side of it, not just not just the let's talk about it side or the corporate side or the you know the policy side or all kinds of sides to it. But it 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 uh, it is a, it's not one of those tech topics where it's a bunch of bros. You know, it, there, there, there seems to be a pretty even split. An interesting thing to me about identity as well is, and this, is, this has been the case from the start, an unusual number of Canadians are involved oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really? real strong in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, almost, all the pro- almost all the provinces have adopted it already into their government. Right, uh, yeah. And, th- and now that the W3C has approved the uh, DIDCOM, you know, now it's... right. It's probably going to explode even further. Yeah. Do you want to say a bit more about what Didcom is? We've, we've talked about it. I've, I, I'm on so many podcasts and things that, that talk about this, but you want to tell us a little bit about Dids and Didcom and what those are? Uh, well, and I'm not, a, uh, I'm not the ultimate expert on that either. You probably have a little bit better insight, but, uh, but I think it not goes really. further <laughs> than it goes for its identifier. So it goes further than just the, individual right it's identifiers framed in this environment of decentralized identity but it it goes to businesses it goes to the internet of things to where anything and everything that's touching an ecosystem can have an identifier and that identifier is decentralized um um, and it was interesting that it took what how many months it was like 18 months to really kind of get it pushed through. I, I, I can't remember how many months exactly. Um, but it was kind of the big tech guys that were trying to keep it from passing because um, they see the writing on the wall for that. Yeah, Drop in d- a link d- this here. Is this a... is actually um, a previous guest we've had. Did we have her here or the other one? Uh, Identity woman, Kalia. I think we had her here. Kalia, yeah. Kalia, oh, yeah, yeah, Kalia yeah, Young. Yeah. 
yeah, identity yeah. woman. She's all over it. She, she um, definitely knows more than I do about all that. And she's Canadian, yeah. which is part of the pack. Yeah. <laughs> pack. Well, I'm going to see her our... and, and uh, Heather Vincent tomorrow on their podcast talking about uh, professional, professional, uh, professionals in identity. So they're going to be talking yeah, about the yeah. industry of identity management and how, uh, how professionals can, um, be uh, qualified to operate in that sphere should be interesting yeah yeah um i should point out again for pronunciation's sake when you're talking about dids they're dids as in the past participle of the verb to do <laughs> it's like i did uh oh, that's right it's a it's a it's a w3c uh standard um and it's you know and it it's basically it's a way to identify things. So, but it, but that now that it's a standard, I, I, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about where and how this goes. I it seems to me like in SSI decentralized identity in general is out of control in a good way, in the sense that okay, fires are spreading now. We're not gonna nobody's gonna put these out. Okay, it's, we're this is it's happening it's kind of like blockchain happened yep. you know there, yep. it's not just, there's so there's a little van with some of this because there is blockchain behind some of the approaches um but but it it seems to me there's too much happening in too many places but it also seems to me that there's the successes that it will have are going to start locally in in constrained places where you can actually get the proof of proofs of concept out there and get actual adoption where people are using it in their lives and taking it for granted. So, so one, one of the problems that we had when all these blockchain platforms were coming into play was interoperability. And so one of the good things I see about identity is that we're at least attempting to make it as interoperable as possible. And that's one of the focuses for Thrivacy. And because this Indieverse thing, when we develop that, it's got to be agnostic. We got to be able to hold a digital, we got to be able to enable you to hold your digital asset inside the wallet. And if an employer mm -hmm. wants to receive a credential and they're on Microsoft's ION decentralized identity network that's built on Bitcoin technology but it but it currently sits in a hyperledger indie format how does it convert so that the employer can receive it and and the same thing we're working with the velocity network foundation and they've built theirs in bizu so how do we take a credential that's built in bizu and convert it into indie or one of these other things so so our focus for our company is ultimately um, to be agnostic to the networks so that you can hold any kind of digital asset that you want to in your wallet. So it's all in one place. Cause right now when I hold my crypto, I've got like five different wallets. I've got to hold my cryptocurrency in. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's insane. Um, when you're trying to manage all those things. So it'll be this, it's going to be the same thing with your credential. You're going to want to hold all your digital assets in one place. Um, that's really what our big vision is. Um, we got to generate some revenue and, and, and then get towards that because that'll be down the road, but. 
That's an interesting thought about digital assets because I think people don't tend to think of them that way. But when once you have kind of a critical mass of verifiable credentials that you're going to use, some of them are are permanent in the sense that uh, you're always going to have them. Your your passport number, your you know driver's license, but a lot of them, your your ticket to the show, um, you know your um, or to the game or you know other stuff like that i think they're once people see that they have this sort of collection of of personal data that they can use in their way rather than inside some big system you know recognizing you which is more like the system we have now you carry a cookie you don't even know where it is and it right. identifies you it's sort of like i what i'm sort of imagining right now is this is the complete substitute for the cookie system because the cookie system is the way is the system by which servers recognize you right this is going to be the system by which you recognize servers for a moment that you need them and then and then that need goes away because you now it's now satisfied it kind of it kind of turns the whole thing around and what's decentralized about it is people people right. are decentralized right we're not we're we're independent well, and, and I think, so if you think about it, if I bought that ticket through a Google browser, Google knows that I bought it, right? Mm -hmm. If it's in a verifiable credential and I want to ultimately monetize my data in the future, then I want to hold on to the fact that I bought that concert ticket, right? So it's, it could always be in my wallet available for me to package it up and to lease my data to somebody who's willing to pay me for it. Because today we don't make money off of our data. We just get free crap. And, and so I think um, one, one of the biggest things that we're really looking at, as a matter of fact, I'm an advisor for a project called Data Bank Me. Uh, they're hyper-focused on Nigeria right now. But what they are doing is, is enabling you to capture your health data and then they have pharmaceutical and healthcare companies that do research who are paying you for being able to see your health data. Um, and so they're, they're, they are creating a platform. They're not decentralized yet, but they are leveraging blockchain tech and, and uh, crypto tokens, not currency, but, um, um, but that, and that actually ultimately then leads to the intention, intention economy that we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier. And that now I have a platform that enables me to intently monetize my data. And, I, and that's definitely the future. Did, did we visit how, how you do make money? Um, I, I don't know if we, yeah, so we're, it. so we're, um, um, so primarily we're our primary customer is the individual mm -hmm. and we have two models, an ad hoc model where we can go out and, and verify a credential that you want and turn it into a verifiable credential and put it in your wallet. And that's an ad hoc fee for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we prefer a membership model. So uh, right now okay. we've got a membership model that's $5 a month or $60 a year. Uh, but we could also have models that are B2B to C where the if your employer so if the employer adopts this uh, and we're already talking to a couple of employers where we're piloting be piloting internal employee training programs mm -hmm. 
and turning those training programs into verifiable credentials so the employee can hold it. So first of all, they get the kudos for getting this training. And then now they have a digital asset they can hold on to and take it to another employer saying, hey, I got this training over here and here you can verify that I did. And so that all would we would see following underneath our membership model. Uh, but we also do have revenue, transactional revenues for verifiers and issuers and, mm -hmm. and all that. Sounds promising. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, we, we, uh, we did, we did a friends and family round last year that has gotten us to this point. Uh, we're looking uh, for another round of funding to really get to production. Um, um, so we're, we're, we're doing all those pitch competitions and all that kind of stuff and talking to primarily angel groups. We're not talking to any, yeah. any VCs cause we're pre-revenue still. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah. It's fun. We're having a good time. Aren't we Erica? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it would be nice to be making some money so we can put it in our bank accounts, but <laughs> <laughs> I've got a really good wife who's tolerant of, of my escapades. <laughs> that's great. Me too. And uh, <laughs> fun <part. laughs> until now, you knew, knew her better than me, actually, because she's been uh, she's been all over this topic for a long time. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely been on a few calls to Joyce. <laughs> well, that's interesting. You know, I'm glad somebody's working on it. There is a problem and you're making an effort to address it. And I think that's, you know, so, somebody benefits. I hope I hope it's you. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, well, yeah. I hope you benefit. I hope somebody Thank does, you. you know, Hey, it's great. Um, yeah, well, we, are, you know, we appreciate y'all helping to share the story. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, tell I, us I'm again, just interested we're... that people are working on it, frankly. So <laughs> as long as somebody's yeah. working on these problems, it makes me happy. So. so tell us again where people should go to, to, yeah. to look for more about this. So, uh, you know, Erica is our marketing vp so she's got all the social channels she's got instagram she hasn't been doing any tiktoks yet but she's been doing all the yeah. other stuff <laughs> absolutely and you can check and, us out at uh my thrivacy for those social channels and, uh -huh. then, and and it's thrivacy with the th just so people yeah know, it's just like the word privacy but with yeah and then also thrivacy.io is our okay. main website that's great. Um, and I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. So you can definitely find me and Thrivacy on LinkedIn. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for sharing your, uh, your approach here. We'll see. We'll see. We'll yeah. see if it ends up being the one, but, uh, <laughs> but hey, well, there's only, gotta start, there's gotta only start well, almost 8 billion people on earth that, and there's a lot of people who don't even have identities, much yeah. less a digital identity. Right. So, right. We, yeah. We got a yeah. lot, we got a lot of work ahead. We're not worried about, Running out of people. They're running out of identities. But yeah, awesome. cool. Cool. So well, it's did, good did seeing we, you, Doc. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted you wanted to get out there? Like no, that was all good. I mean, I'll be at the Velocity Network Foundation's first face-to-face -face, uh inaugural conference in New York City at Roosevelt Island next the beginning of next week. Uh, where we'll be speaking, I'll be speaking on wallets. Um, the conference is around the career, uh, car the internet of careers, and and that and they've and they're basically building the career model on top of all of this from an SSI standpoint. 
And then uh, on third, on uh, Friday and Saturday, I'll be in Las Vegas at the Freedom Fest conference, talking about SSI and super wallets and all that kind of stuff um, uh, on uh, Fox Nation, no less. So, so hopefully that'll, that'll uh, enlighten some people too. Cool. Well, Excellent. I, I, I would love to see a world where you know, women don't have to flash their home address just to get a beer. So <laughs> I know, right? That's the goal. That's right. So that's 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 a big motivator right there. Yeah, oh well, I was gonna say about the women thing just real quick before we sign off. Everything I tell every time I tell a dad about what we're doing that has a daughter in college, they're like, mm -hmm. I yeah. never even thought about that. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The world is a <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> don't show your home address right okay um cool well uh yeah with that thank you so much for joining us thank you for everybody yeah. who's listened to all of this um yes thank you so much for having us and, and we'll have, have to have you back on for a progress report yes yeah sure. we'd love to hear progress. absolutely we would love give to it, give us some time for the progress <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no we'll problem. give you time yeah <laughs> take all you need but I expect it yeah that'd be great thank you very much Thank you.